the subject of blood um, and the meanings that different cultures attach to blood is incredibly rich and complex and provocative and, and e exciting. Um, and when you think about blood through a Jewish lens and in a Jewish context, there's just so much to say. Um, so this is an exhibition we've been wanting to do for, for, for quite a while. It's a very, very complex one and there's a lots and lots of ideas that the exhibition contains. We immediately, the idea came up with our chief executive and we immediately knew that this was something that um, needed a lot of unpacking and would make a very, very good exhibition because it spans um, thousands of years and, and lots and lots of different ideas and uh, disciplines. Yeah. Um, I mean, making a terrible pun, I was thinking be positive and be negative because a lot of it's negative, isn't it, until we get near the present. I mean, sort of divisive or exclusive and, um, discrimination. Yeah. But, but perhaps we could start with the Jews sure. and blood in the Bible and before we come to the Christians yeah. and We the Jews. call the exhibition Uniting and Dividing, and that's representing these dichotomies and complexities, the sacred and the impure, the life and death. Blood is a, is a metaphor for so many different opposing ideas. Um, and I mean, there, are, there are dark elements in the exhibition, obviously dealing with a lot of anti-Semitism and early racial science, which is incredibly problematic today. But we're also talking about, I mean, like I said, the exhibition deals with the meanings that we've attached to blood, not necessarily blood itself, the meanings that have been attached to blood through time. So when we start in um, Jewish ritual, um, really winding back the clock to the Bible, the Hebrew Bible, and the various rituals and ideas and practices that have blood at their core. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that negativity is a word that applies. This is about ideas of holiness, um, self-definition, um, belonging. Uh, I'm looking straight ahead at the section on circumcision. Circumcision has blood at its core. The blood of circumcision is covenantal blood, essentially. And, and just over here, we have Moses anointing the Israelites in this priestly manner with um, blood at the giving of the Torah at Sinai. And um, these are all ideas um, that may be surprising mm. to people that show blood in Judaism as um, foundational. And that's something we wanted to look at. But then on the reverse, again, we're constantly dealing with these oppositions. So on the, on the, we have this gender binary case over here. We have circumcision and we have menstruation and sexual family purity. So the blood of menstruation is something that's taboo. In many cultures, it's the case it's taboo. It's, um, you know, as a literal translation, considered impure in the Bible and needs to and requires a kind of uh, a, a restorative, um, rejuvenating immersion in the mikvah. So these are these are ideas that um, I wouldn't necessarily apply the words positive and negative. Although we, ha mm. we have we have said it can be both positive mm. and negative, but not in a kind of value judgment mm. sort of way but in in terms of meanings again that are attached yeah. and you found obviously you would find all the quotes but I, it goes right back to Cain and Abel as mm. it says in the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground and so it's just, it's really right back to the beginning, isn't it? I mean, that very very much, much so. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't get much earlier than the Bible. No. Yeah, and um, um, yeah, we start with the Bible, and we we run through medieval, early modern, modern mm. contemporary uh, times, mm. exploring lots of different ideas, crossing. Uh, mm. It's a very interdisciplinary. Interdisciplinary. Well, let's just go back to the Bible. Then mm -hmm. let's just co cover that. Of course, Passover is absolutely integral to that, and you've got some beautiful artifacts. Mm. So if you could just look at those before we leave this first. Sure. Room. Um, well, I'm glad you pointed out the Passover artifacts because these are examples in this section we've, we've been able to display for the first time in many cases artifacts from our collection that are usually only seen by curators or by researchers in our collection store upstairs and these are some examples. So we have three Passover plates from completely different places. So we have Germany, 
Staffordshire, England, um, and Damascus, Syria, um, representing different Passover traditions. The Passover plates, obviously, um, used at the Seder. Um, and I've picked these plates because they um, pick out certain symbols and um, elements of iconography that really resonate with this idea of blood in the Passover story. The, re the redemptive blood of the Paschal Lamb. So we see the Paschal Lamb over here, the crossing of the Red Sea, scenes of different plagues, um, and, and obviously the, 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 the sacrifice. The, the, the Paschal lamb is picked out in lots of them. Um, Passover is an example of um, blood, of, of the kind of tremendous potent symbolism mm. of blood in Judaism and, and, and it's kind of mirrored on the other side with the blood of Jesus, yeah. which takes us into the story of Christianity in Judaism and how blood was at the core of that. Yeah. Well, what, what's interesting, apart from the fact that please, when you've finished with it, can I have the Syrian plate? Because <laughs> it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. And it really, really <laughs> repays a closer view. So yeah. Unfortunately, there's glass separating you, mm. but you can see all of these lovely details and the um, very kind of Middle Eastern influenced mm -hmm. um, design, the the plagues, the tribes, um, mm -hmm. there's so much Moses and Aaron. There's so many things to pick out. Again, Moses leading the Israelites mm -hmm. across the Red Sea. It's got these wonderful colours in it, silver and bronze colour, and this almost oxidised. Well, I think it is oxidised. Yeah, isn't it? You know, almost and green. And very, very beautiful inscriptions yeah. and engravings. Yeah. And it's stunning. Uh, it is stunning. Incredibly detailed. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, obviously there are etchings, there's a wonderful etching here of, of um, the Red Sea turning to blood. And so you've got that, you've got the plague of the mm. blood, mm -hmm. and you've got the Paschal Lamb. Mm. Yes. We have the suggestion of, of blood on the doorpost mm. with this red doorway that people yeah. pass through. I love that. So I bet it's red everywhere, and it's quite clever because it's not. We tried very <laughs> hard. In the early meetings, we talked about how to, how to use the kind of beautiful um, texture of blood, and obviously the colour red is what people mm. would be expecting, but how to use that in a restrained way for impact rather than to be too obvious or tacky or gory. I mean, it's very difficult, you know, it's a difficult mm. balance to get right. We didn't want it to look like a Hammer horror movie. Well, quite, so although we come to those. Yeah, so, we, so, yeah. Mm. so we, yeah. we were very kind of mm. subtle in the way we've done it. So every showcase has a beautiful red acrylic mm. base. So it almost looks like the objects are kind of suspended mm. in, a, in, a, in a pool of blood, but it's very delicately done because um, the subjects are very serious and we didn't want it to cross over mm. into a kind of ghoulish um, scene. I, anyone listening, it's a very nice red, <laughs> very attractive, and no, it's not not ghoulish at all. Um, what I was trying to work out what this was actually. This so these are actually artworks. This is a very interesting piece. I wanted something to talk about sacrifice because sacrifice in the temple Judaism was intrinsic to worship um, and atonement as we see over mm. here the quote from Rashi the commentator the fundamental principle of atonement is in the blood. It's well documented that Animal sacrifice and the blood of animal sacrifice was the kind of root of uh, the early Israelites to um, achieve atonement through th uh, w with God um, or by God. But it's, it, it was challenging to find material to make that point. And um, I, I, in the end, chose to display some artworks by local Jewish artist Jacqueline Nichols. These are sketchbooks from a very interesting project that she's currently in the process of completing. It's a seven-year cycle because she's doing a page of the Talmud every day. So it's the Daf Yomi project. She's, she's called it Draw Yomi. Uh, so every day she'll study a, a page of the Talmud and she'll create an artwork in these sketch, sketchbooks, a, a visual artwork, some sort of illustration, accompanied with this very, very elaborate and studious um, notes from the very dense pages of the, the Talmud or the, or the Gemara. Yeah, hard, hard to describe them unless you're here these, looking. But yeah, all of these mm. represent um, discussions of the Talmudic rabbis um, related to sacrifices in the temple, and in particular the role of blood in sacrifices. So so what's interesting about um, sacrificial blood is, is that 
is um, incredibly spiritual and elevated and it's, it's achieving this intangible, uh, holy um, goal through a very messy, dirty substance. Mm. And I wanted to kind of try and get that dichotomy again in, or dualism and duality. And so what we have here are discussions around um, the presence of blood in the temple. So we have the priest's feet um, wading through pools of blood. So the temple, um, this holy, the holiest place in the Jewish imagination was also a very bloody place. Yes, <laughs> and, you, and you have the priest's feet mm. wading through a pool of blood. Yes, you just see his feet and his robe, bottom mm. of his white robe. And what's quite clever, though, is that it's actually monochrome, exactly. so you don't see red. Again, <laughs> there's this, you know, with blood, you need to be mm. careful not mm. to kind of, you know, jump into cliches with yeah. an overuse of blood. This is a page of the Talmud which is talking about atonement through blood. Not everything is essential in the ritual except for the blood. So this is from a page um, related to the Yom Kippur sacrifices. And this one over here is, is quite I've interesting. Got <laughs> this one does have red and this has um, essentially insects and creepy mm, crawlies mm. Um, that w again making this point that the temple was a holy place but it was also a place tied to organic matter mm. and, and real things and blood brought with it all sorts of issues of cleanliness and purity mm. the temple had to be kept very clean and pure mm. and I think this is making the point who is who's who's holy enough to clean the temple of all of these mm. things that the blood brings with it Oh, I'm so glad you explained them because I looked and I thought they're gorgeous, but I'm not quite sure I entirely yeah, understand well, them. There's a, there's a mm. caption over here, but mm. they do benefit from further interpretation because they, they are very mm. interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've bypassed somewhat the circumcision instrument, <laughs> and as I'm about to have a grandson, he <laughs> will be circumcised in the next few weeks, so I'm happy to bypass them. And, and, the, and of course, the mikvah, very yeah. important for yeah. women on a monthly basis or when they're getting married and all the rest of it. Now, what I find so sad about this, this room, about Jewish blood and Christian blood, and we've just come under your, mm. your lovely red um, doorway. suggestive doorway, so I think the angel of death will pass over us, we're okay. Mm -hmm. But isn't it sad that the Christians decided to pick up the idea of Jesus' circumcision again, as I said, as a negative or something? There are these mm. awful pictures mm. of him being circumcised, and a very famous one here. Mm. But as you say, there's this huge knife, and mm. the Jews looking on look mm. predatory and dreadful. And a lot of the depictions of, of Jesus' circumcision are similar to this one over here, and that's why we, we've picked this. As you say, often comically large knives, mm. even larger than the one that we have over here, a very defenseless baby. Yeah, look and look at the baby, uh, it's that's for anyone of circumcision. Exactly, <laughs> I mean, it's not an accidental uh, thing, is it? I think the point mm. that's being made here is that circumcision is barbaric, mm. but this is the first very, very potent uh, s symbolic episode where uh, Jesus' blood is shed, and it's not just shed by anyone, it's shed by Jews as part of a Jewish ritual um, which was considered a, a bloody ritual as you can see in some of the later blood, blood libel material mm. and uh, there are some interesting things to pick out of this painting actually so we see the blind Jew, the, the motif mm. of the blind Jew who's blind, unable to see the light of Jesus um, and these menacing faces and it's a sad dark scene definitely yes, The blind Jew has got dark glasses on to show he's blind mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I meant to say there's a wonderful etching in the room before uh, Abraham mm. and family circumcising themselves and I'm looking at it with, with a, one of the men friends of the museum who was wincing. <laughs> <laughs> There'll probably be quite a, quite a bit of that with the... We have very interesting material on mm. circumcision, but it, yeah, I know it's not the easiest thing to look yes. at. And then this terrible 
you know, well, to me, terrible, a terribly sad mm. war of Jesus' crucifixion, mm. linking that obviously with the circumcision. Yes. Yeah, the, the trail of the blood runs from the wound of the of the crucifixion mm. down to the groin, and mm. uh, making the making the connection between the crucifixion and the circumcision. Again, these two instances of blood yeah. being shared. Yeah, so it's all bad, yeah, <laughs> sadly. Um, the blood libel, the accusation that Jews use the blood of Christians, specifically Christian children, to make matzah and in the Passover rituals. A shocking accusation. The blood libel circulates the stories, the fables, the myths. They, they were kind of yeah. grounded in these very destructive, um, anti-Semitic lies. Then now can they come, the Jews, daughter, and she's all dressed in green. Oh, me pretty young boy, and me fine young boy, come fetch your ball again. Oh, I can't come in, and I won't come in. I can't come here, and never call. But then these folk ballads that we have here of, of the English blood libel, Sir Hugh of Lincoln, the 13th century blood libel, these folk ballads really essentially get detached from their original meaning. So they then become part of the story of defenceless children being snatched by evil people and it's not always necessarily Jews who are doing mm. the snatching. In this case, it's the ones that we've selected, there still is that attribution. Mm. But I think the, the folk, the ballad has then entered into the realm mm. of, 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 of folk music and, and it's interesting to hear these voices um, being sung at different times in the 20th century and this sheet music over here which is of really interesting uh, material. This this is from the Appalachian Mountains. This, is, this shows how the English blood libel of 13th century mm found its way into kind of um, folklore and, and, and English uh, songs and ballads and then was exported to the United States uh, in the 19th century. Um, again, still the reference to the Jews in there, which is yeah. interesting too. Yeah, and so many blood libels down the years, right from little Sir Hugh. I think the first one is actually this one, isn't it? William, William of, of Norwich. Norwich. Yeah. Uh, Although, yeah. notably, mm. blood isn't necessarily mentioned in the story mm. of William of Norwich, but it's definitely seen as the, um, the catalyst of the blood libel mm. myth. Um, William of Norwich was um, a young boy who was killed or thought to have been killed, and Jews, the, Jews of, the local Jews of Norwich were um, blamed for his murder, despite there being no evidence at all against them and so it was a ritual murder accusation that was leveled at the local Jewish population but as I say it wasn't necessarily hadn't yet evolved into the, mm. the kind of classic story of Jews murdering the child in order to extract their blood for any sort of ritual purpose mm. but it's very important because again circulation of of this this libel William of Norwich traveled to um, the continent and really grew into something much bigger than the original story so the, the page that we're looking at here this is a woodcut in, in the Nuremberg Chronicle from the 15th century. This, this is, you know, it's no coincidence that we're, we're looking at William of Norwich through German eyes in the 15th century, just to show that this story had legs. Met, yeah, exactly, it had legs. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, interestingly, I think, I'm not sure whether it's in our Haggadah or whether it's some story that is always told at Passover in our family and always has been, but um, Jews were said, to, my husband always make sure we remember that Jews tended to drink white wine mm, for safety um, during the Passover, not red wine, in, in case Christians would look through the window and mm. say, ah, oh, there you are, it's true, they're mm. drinking blood. There were, there were, yeah, it's interesting, if you look at rabbinic responsa at certain times in history in certain places, there were often laws instituted to try and mitigate this blood libel. So one example is 
steer clear of anything that would allow you to be labelled as bloodthirsty. Mm. Don't drink the red wine, drink the white wine. I think that's in the Shulchan Aruch, actually. There's, mm. a, there's a ruling. There's a, an interesting example in response to the 1840 Damascus blood libel over here where the, the mm. Times newspaper published the entire translation or a translation of the Haggadah and the Passover service to make the point, and this is in the 1840s, to make the point... Jews do not use blood in their Passover rituals. That it's, it's quite striking, it's quite stark to see uh, that the Times newspaper felt they had to do that mm. because these libels did circulate. Well, let, let's, let's be positive again here and say at least they did at the Times because, yeah. tragically, you've got this quite modern mm. um, image from something called the Matzah of Zion written in 1983 by the Syrian defence me- uh, minister. And mm. that, but it still goes on, doesn't it? Right, to this yeah, day. I think the, the lie of the blood libel is something that... Um, as you say, has legs and is recycled in lots of different geopolitical contexts. So it's definitely not something that has been consigned to history, but I would say that when it does surface today, it's usually um, feeding into um, anti-Semitic ideologies and narratives as a way of proving, see, uh, Jews are a bloodthirsty people. If you look at their history, it's well documented that the blood libel happened, as opposed to, in 1986, in Sirius, the Jewish community, <laughs> if there was one, being accused of actually mm. acting out a blood libel at the time. But so the lie of the blood libel, in terms of reviving these historic instances, these historic lies, does still kind of come up. Um, in Russia in 2005, if the internet is to be believed, there was, was a case there, so it's not necessarily specific to any part of the world, but um, def- definitely um, feeding into anti-Semitic narratives today still, yeah. Not to any degree in the same, you know, medieval and early modern Europe was definitely the most prominent um, instance of the blood libel circulating. Yeah, there was a very big one in the Czech Republic that Tomasz Masaryk, if mm. you know, the, who was mm-hmm. the, the president between um, the end of the First World War and, and his death in 1937. Before that, he was a lawyer and he defended this tramp, actually, Jewish vagabond called mm. Hilsner, who was accused of drinking really? blood, I think, I think, on the t- at the turn of the 19th wow. and 20th so century. So we, we also have a, yeah. a yeah, similar period mm. uh, Mendel Bayless mm. affair in Russia which which in 2005 in Russia that was that was referred to so these cases mm. are kind of um, every now and then brought up as an example mm. of uh, yeah. yeah and then there's the other one the host des- the desecration yes. of the Christian host that sort of t- um, a twin with yeah, the blood twins, libel yes. in a way yeah very very similar also happened the same mm. time of the year Passover and Easter and interpretation of uh, writing in of of Jews into kind of Christian rituals. So when the doctrine of transubstantiation is accepted as doctrine um, Mm. in 1215, um, that leads to this idea that if um, the consecrated host, the wafer in the mass, um, actually transforms into the literal flesh of Jesus, that's going to be something that Jews are going to want to get their hands Mm. on. And in these mock uh, recruitments, crucifixions of um, of Jesus was this accusation again um, mm. leveled at Jews that they were stealing the hosts the wafers and desecrating them destroying them stabbing them in w- in whatever way and the hosts were were bleeding in protest as as a in a, in a kind mm. of mirac- miraculous way I can sort of understand that more I mean I don't mm. I mean I how they might come to it's, that it's one. It's easier. Mm. It's yeah. easier to lie, to mm. make those sorts of accusations. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Then to than to the very nefarious and fantastical mm. idea that children are being slaughtered. Yeah. Um, yeah no. As we 100%. leave uh, the blood libel section, it's sad to note that Chaucer 
really, the curse, this cursed Jew starts one of the extracts from the prioress's tale. Um, that says it all really. Don't really, we need to read the rest, do we? This cursed Jew. Okay. And I really like Chaucer till I remembered that. <laughs> and now we've got this marvellous section um, where you've taken the famous speech, I am it hath not a Jew eyes. <coughs> you can hear a bit of it there and going up to the important line for you if you prick us, do we not bleed? And you've used lots of voices. Hath not a Jew eyes. I am a Jew. Have not a Jew eyes. Is it a girl or a young person's voice that I can hear? So old ages, we, we've created yeah, a sound lovely. piece. Yeah, we've lovely. created a sound piece, mm. editing in lots of different voices mm. together, Jewish and non-Jewish, young, old, to make this universal point that we're trying to be making throughout the exhibition. Blood can divide, but it also unites, mm. and it's essentially a universal substance that brings us all together. Warmed and cooled by the same winter and summer as a Christian is. If you prick us, if you prick do we us, not bleed? Do we not bleed? If you tickle us, do we if not laugh? Us, if you prick us, do we not bleed? Poisonous. If you tickle do us, we do we die. not laugh? <laughs> if you poison us, do we not die? Die. die. Now, uh, I love Dracula normally, but I, I, suddenly Dracula becomes part of the narrative and not in a good way. Yeah, this is an interesting story. Uh, 1931, Bela Lugosi as Dracula. Um, an interesting uh, little bit of trivia is that Bela Lugosi has a, a six-pointed medallion around his neck for most of the film, or, uh, a good part of the film. I wouldn't say that it was a star of David, it's a six-pointed mm. star, but it, much has been made of this because obviously um, the um, vampire um, motif is something that um, has been seen as a kind of modern-day blood, blood libel in many ways, um, attributed to, to Jews, Jews seen as vampires, as bloodthirsty, as shady outsiders coming from the East... Um, fearful of Christianity, rejecting Christianity. Um, so in, particularly in terms of Victorian literature, the mm. Jew as vampire is an interesting motif that's very problematic and, uh, as I say, is seen as a modern-day blood libel. So I've brought um, these images of Bela Lugosi to show how that is resonating or echoing this, this discourse. But the interesting exhibit that accompanies mm. it is, funnily enough, a breakfast cereal box, innocuous enough, but when you look a bit closer, you see that this particular cereal from the 1980s in the United States has Bela Lugosi as Dracula with very clearly a Star of David around his neck. This created a huge outcry in America. Mm. The Anti-Defamation League uh, were not happy at all and under the threat of legal action, General and Mills Cereal Company withdrew this cereal box from production. Actually, this, is a, this is a collector's item now, yes. I mean, it's, it's an interesting exhibit because it's a, it's a mundane, innocuous, mm. as I say, mm breakfast cereal box but obviously it carries with it a huge amount of weight that may not have been um, yes. un fully understood by the makers so we were delighted to have found this it was a, a, yeah. a what's internet the discovery yeah what's so wonderful is that you come up to it and it says count chocula and you think oh that's really funny and it's not it's not yeah. funny at all exactly mm. it's a it's a complex thing to mm. look at because you do want to laugh and then you yeah. look a little bit closer yeah, that's and, yeah. exactly what i did so exactly, it had the required yeah. effect and then you've got this rather wonderful uh, wood wood is it a wood cut um 
anyway, it's, it's a it's a print by yeah, print, it, yeah by yeah. Uh, Lillian, the well-known Jewish artist, um, Art Nouveau artist. Um, and uh, what's interesting about this is um, uh, this is a, almost a reversal of the Jewish vampire um, motif. So we have the bloated boss mm. sucking the blood out of the Jewish um, sweatshop worker who's who's bent mm. over uh, machine, the, the machine. Yeah, yeah. Um, sewing machine. Exactly, the sewing machine. So yeah. these are some um, objects that we've brought together to reflect on this um, vampire. Yeah, well, I'm glad that one's... <laughs> the yeah. vampire isn't Jewish in that particular thing. And then we've got the... Again, we would at this point, wouldn't we, move on to eugenics. And But there are two... Again, there's sort of two sides to this. There, mm. Obviously, there's the whole Hitler thing, the eugenics, which is covered here, which we can talk about. But also, there's the idea idea of Jews being encouraged to marry within the faith mm. so I suppose that's keeping the, the blood pure in a different way mm. so you're showing both of those here we're showing yeah mm. we're showing how yeah Jews weren't exempt from um, late 19th early 20th ideas of um, of race and racial science and um, the drive to def self-define as a race as a people as opposed to purely a religion um, was something that was is runs throughout um, scientific and academic discourse but also the popular imagination so we have um, the work of pioneering Jewish race scientists figures of the Anglo-Jewish elite at the time Red Redcliffe Salomon Joseph Jacobs Joseph Jacobs work with Francis Galton the founder of eugenics and these are all artifacts that talk about um, as I say this drive for Jews to self-define as a race with all that that means um, and blood is functioning there as a metaphor really so mm. if you look at the kind of published research blood Jewish blood is this metaphor for the Jewish race mm. and as you say um, marrying out um, we have this wonderful magazine um, from the late 19th century from published in Chicago American Jewess widely seen as the very first um, Jewish women's magazine and we've brought this to show here because um, it published a, a serialized novel in the magazine Jewish Blood very very interesting novel um, which as you say is fixated on intermarriage and the threat of uh, the threat to Jewish blood this idea of Jewish blood whatever that means and I would, I would suggest that it's again metaphorical um, the threat that intermarriage faces so this idea that um, Jewish blood needs to be protected or the Jewish race needs to be protected and those boundaries shouldn't be transgressed mm. and then obviously we then juxtapose this material which was very much of its time very much a respectable science a respectable way of understanding the world um, with materials um, from the Nazi period mm. so we have a very important loan here from Washington DC a, a poster related to the, the Nuremberg Laws of 1935, which in a very stark and disturbing way mm. defines Germans and Jews by their bloodlines, essentially, and Jewish blood as this um, corrupting force, tragically, this idea of Jewish blood as obviously impure and undesirable and German blood as the, as, mm. as the ideal. I, absolutely sending a shiver down my spine, and you only need to know a very small amount of German, Kinderwerden, Juden, mm. the children will become Jewish. Mm. And it, 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 it's showing you all the different ways that... Uh, it's almost like a sort of family Jewish tree, isn't defined, it? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And you say, and the moment you get to the children will be Jewish, you'll mm. know that, that mm. that's a, pro a pronouncement of doom, really, isn't Exactly, it? Mm. yeah. And it's the kind of tragic mm. conclusion of these ideas, which yes. obviously the Holocaust then discredited massively. I, I'd like to point out this case mm. because we, mm. we have another Nazi artefact over here, a, a Nazi blood purity certificate, which was a, a prerequisite of joining the Nazi party, this need to prove the purity of your blood. And the, and the, the categories, again, the 
racial categories are around blood, so German blood as opposed to Jewish blood. But this is juxtaposed with a 17th century book from Spain, um, which is a book of, uh, that was used in the Spanish Inquisition by an inquisitor of the Inquisition to certify the blood purity of the individual in question. And this um, references the blood purity laws of Spain and Portugal that were instituted in the 15th century and widely seen as the earliest example of biological racism that definitely foreshadowed, as we see, the um, Nazi, the Nuremberg laws, which are a, a very similar set of laws. Um, so we're making that point that um, centuries separate the two, but these ideas are kind of recycled in yeah. different contexts. And we're now coming into a room that looks at AIDS and mm. blood donoring and so forth. And medicine so, and, and genetics, medicine yeah. And I'd like to think that it's more positive. It in, is, in, yeah. Yes. Mm. I think there's some important artefacts to point out. One is an artefact related to Karl Landsteiner, who was born into a Jewish family. He made the pioneering groundbreaking discovery that we all have different blood types, and if we understand compatibility of blood of blood types then we will be able to um, successfully transfuse blood so that ended the centuries long wait to successfully transfuse blood between humans and what that meant was we all are united by blood mm. there is only one type of blood and that is human blood mm. so that's an important point to make because the exhibition is making this universal point that un blood is uniting um, but then I mean that's tempered with um, an interesting blood donation card from the Second World War in, in, in America, it says, whose blood will save him? Protestant, Catholic, Jew, it's all American blood. So over here we see Jewish blood as acceptable alongside Christian blood. But what the card doesn't tell us is that at the same time, African-American blood, blood of black citizens of the United States was categorized separately from white blood. So, so that, that, that discrimination wasn't made extinct with the discovery of, uh, yes. of blood types. And, and a rather yes. sad um, exhibit that, that lets on Ethiopian blood that was donated mm. in Israel was actually thrown away. And that's yeah. horrifying, isn't it? That's uh, that's Jews doing the yeah. same thing. Well, this is—I mean, this is a very contentious case. It's actually still mm. very much alive in Israel mm. today. There are many Ethiopian-Israeli campaigners who are trying to enact mm. change in the law. The footage that we have here is from 1996, and there's a quote that I've put out: "Although our skin is black, our blood is as red as yours, and we are just mm. as Jewish." But what's interesting here is that blood. Um, this is a yeah. perfect yeah. example of blood being uh, uniting or dividing. Yeah. The demonstrators mm. who were outraged at this the disposal of their blood were um, the banners have slogans such as our blood is our soul, our blood is our identity. So it's interesting to see uh, this encapsulates a lot of the ideas that the exhibition um, contains. I should say that, I mean, we brought this example because it's an interesting Jewish example of how of, of how blood can still be a very provocative subject. But um, every country's national blood donation um, rules um, can be um, viewed as discriminatory in lots of different ways, and, and a very, very highly—it's a very highly charged subject. So, for example, we've brought the brought the example of, of gay men still not being able to donate blood in this country. So we're contextualising this in a, in a broader sense. Yes, and you're going to have blood donoring days, aren't you? We, yeah, yes, we have a partnership with the National Health <laughs> Service about uh, blood types and blood donations. And and I, I should point out that we have some very important material from the geneticist Adam Rutherford, who talks about. Uh, Blood was um, historically, in a pre-genetic era, the metaphor for genes. And now that we know that our identity or our inheritance, heredity, is carried through DNA and genes, 
it's still problematic to look to biology as a way of, of, of defining culture and, and cultural mm. groups. Yeah, so it's, it's all totally thought-provoking. I really want to thank you. Just tell me, though, briefly, um, Tom Piper. Tom Piper is one of the two designers, along with Alan Farley mm. of RFK Architects. Tom um, notably recently designed the um, Poppies installation at the Tower of London, which is an award-winning um, Red. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Red, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so yes. he's designed... One particular he, section. Well, mm. he's been involved with some of the installations, but he's um, overall with Alan. Mm. They, they've co-designed the mm. exhibition together. Which is yeah. very exciting. Lovely. Anyway, Thanks, thank Judy. you so much. I Pleasure. really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you.